Hi there, I'm Eric Wordweaver Shervin, Goldie of the Ridgar Folk here in East Texas, and I'd like to welcome you to The Raven's Call. This is a show where I ramble on about different heathen-related subjects, just kind of whatever strikes my fancy, sets my mind on fire at the time. Big UPG warning at the beginning of this, like always. These are just the views of one individual heathen here in East Texas. It's my approach, uh, my worldview, and the way I go about things. People just seem to enjoy it and seem to get a lot out of it, so that's why I do these videos. I do not pretend to be the expert on heathenry. I do not pretend to have all of the answers. I'm just giving you my approach from my experience from decades of doing this and experience in the field of, you know, you know doing ritual, um, running a tribe, and, you know, being fairly successful at it. So make of that what you will, but the key thing is these are just conversation starters. They're not intended to be the end-all be-all of anything. So as long as you keep that in mind, you'll be all right. All my contact information is down below, P.O. box for anything that you'd like to send into the channel, um, email, con email contact, uh, the group on Facebook, do, I try to do uh, <laughs> interactions on there. Um, I'm not super great at the social media side of things, uh, I have a lot of things going on other than just running the channel, so I just don't necessarily spend as much time on that as one would need to truly build a brand, but that's not really what I'm in it for. Um, I don't monetize off of this, so I'm not super into building the brand, but it is kind of neat to see when it picks up and when it goes out there. Occasionally I see people pop up from Reddit or from, uh, you know, that'll pass it around through different messenger services, or I'll see, uh, it's really cool to see viewers from other countries pop up and to be able to see, hey, this is being viewed in Australia, which I've had some shout outs from my Australia people. You guys rock. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, people from the UK, Canada. Uh, Scandinavia. I've had people all over the place. I even had a viewer over in the Pacific Islands area at one point in time. At least that's what it appeared to be. It uh, could have been a VPN because it was a very low percentage and uh, it, it very well could have been VPN just pinging off of the Pacific Islands. But nonetheless, uh, it was just kind of neat to see it pop up there. So, uh, and then of course, uh, there's always South America and stuff because surprisingly enough, there is a large heathen following down in South America. Uh, there is a lot, especially in the Portuguese-speaking countries, uh, there are a, a large number of heathens in that area that I have become aware of through my interactions on the internet. And I always think that's kind of neat uh, to see how heathenry grows up in different areas and how it develops, how it expands, how it grows, how it matures, and the new regional differences that occur. Because in the olden days, you know, we had the regional differences from the different tribes during our heathen times, and now we're going to see significant differences regionally uh, in modern day, especially if people are embracing kind of a grassroots tribal approach to things, there will definitely be some regionalization occur, and I really think that's cool. I think it gives a lot of flavor to it, so rock on. That was a random sideways slant tangent, so I <laughs> didn't mean to do that. Sorry about that. Anyway, for those of you that got to watch, I was on uh, Midgard Musings uh, Jesse Stolwagen's video, uh, it would have been last Friday, so it was his big three-year anniversary for his channel. Mine should be coming up, I think. I don't know. I haven't looked at the dates in a while. I haven't been dragging that. I've had other things on my mind. I know I kind of let the two-year for the channel slide by me without really much fanfare. Uh, and I may have missed the three-year entirely, or that may be in November. I'm not sure. I'm going to have to look and see. But I've been doing it for a while now, and it was really kind of cool. I enjoyed it. So if you haven't had a chance to go over there and watch that yet, I highly recommend you jump on there. We had a number of uh, heathen content providers that were all on at the same time, 
and it was just kind of a roundtable thing, a, a cool kind of, uh, almost like you would go to a symposium kind of deal, and it was really cool. I, I enjoyed the heck out of it. It was fantastic. So hopefully we'll be able to do some stuff like that again, some more collaboration stuff, and I'll see if I can't figure out some way to do some collaborative stuff on my channel. It's going to take some experimenting on the capacity of my technology and what I've got to play with. Um, when I have the opportunity to collaborate with people is not usually when I have the strongest internet. So the two don't always mix. Know what I mean? And so that has, uh, that has problems. Um, I have my strongest internet up at work, at the shop. But uh, that's not usually when people can collaborate. So it's a thing. There he goes again. Uh, and th th it's a thing thing is a huge thing. Um, you'll see some of that. I go into some of that in the updates in the after the credits stuff, the whole uh, cutting room floor aspect of things. I do not include the cutting room floor in the podcast version of this. So if you're listening to this in podcast and you're interested in that kind of end monologue, I do put those up on the YouTube channel so that people can see it. I had one guy message and say that he originally followed me on Spotify. But then he switched over to, I think it was Spotify, anyway, one of the podcasting uh, programs. Anyway, he switched over to YouTube because he wanted to see the cutting room floor stuff, and that's just kind of how he consumes it now. He still listens to it, but he does this so he can get the cutting room floor. If you guys are interested in me adding the cutting room floor into the podcast version, it's fine. The big thing is the, without context, the comedy horns, and then the random switch over into nonsensical stuff is uh, a little weird, maybe a little jarring, so I don't always put that on, I stopped putting it on there, uh, just because I felt like it didn't flow well. If that's something the podcast listeners are interested in, let me know. Uh, email me, it, it, email's down below, uh, or jump onto the Facebook group and message me there, or come in and comment on the YouTube video and let me know there. Just any any of the myriad ways that you can contact me. Uh, let me know that you are interested in uh, doing the, the adding the cutting room floor stuff to the podcast version, and I will. Okay, uh, if there's enough interest. Because if I put it up there and it's jarring and people don't like it, then I'll just leave it off. It is what it is. Whatever. So I guess with that, uh, it's like eight, nine minutes of fluff. Let's go ahead and jump into today's subject, shall we? All right. Now, today we're talking about um, something that is very Heathen 101, but still something that as advanced heathens, we continue on and maybe don't even think about. And it's something that's very intrinsic to modern heathenry, um, but doesn't necessarily get talked about or explained in why it is the way that it is. And this is a subject that's been on my list for a while, and I was kind of quick to grab something off the list. I'm like, you know what, let's go ahead and get around to that. And that is the subject of Thor's Hammer's pendants. And I've talked about it some a little bit in previous videos, but as far as doing a dedicated video that people can go to and see, hey, this is, uh, this is the rundown on uh, Thor's Hammer's. I haven't done that yet, so here we go. Um, Thor's Hammer's, you know, case in point, I have mine here, uh, which this is the one that I wear out, my blingy, flashy one. I also have this one that was made by a local blacksmith, and uh, I really, really enjoy it. And uh, <clears throat> what we've got with a talisman like this, it, it's not really a talisman, it's a pendant. The idea behind the Thor's hammer is that it is a symbol of faith. It is a symbol of 
Um, cultural leaning, it is a symbol of one's belief structure. Any pendant can do this. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a Thor's hammer. It doesn't necessarily have to be, um, you know, Gunier or anything like that. It's just that Thor's hammers are the most commonly recognized symbols that are used for pendants. Uh, and a large part of this comes from the historical digs where they have found molds and blanks from uh, Thor's hammer pendants that people have used for um, what reasons that we surmise to be symbols of heathenry or symbols of faith to Thor, especially since Thor was seen as the everyman's god, the god of the common man, uh, god of the working class. Forgive the background noise. We've got the roll doors open today, so I'm getting a lot of road noise in. Uh, apologize for that. But anyway, any kind of pendant or talisman or symbol that you choose to take on as your image that depicts your faith is in and of itself then kind of a holy relic to you. Um, I'm, I'm leery to use the term holy frequently because holy I tend to uh, tie in more to the sacred and there's a difference between a hammer that you wear every day uh, as your kind of heathen symbol uh, and something that is used as a ritual item, okay? Now, ritual items are dedicated to the purpose of ritual, and that's the only thing that they're used for. A symbol that you would wear around every day does not doesn't really qualify as a, as a ritual item, as a holy relic, as it were. But it is very important to the people that wear it. Now, not everyone wears one, and you don't have to. Uh, in the modern day, this has been popularized um, largely because of, from what I can tell from my experience, it has largely been popularized by the fact that in general neo-pagan society, people will wear jewelry that depicts their particular cultural influences in their belief structure in order to... Uh, kind of identify themselves, to let people know what they are. It's a sense of self, a sense of identity and projecting that self out. It's just like you would wear uh, any particular clothing or your hair a particular way. It's an expression of self. And in that, wearing a hammer was a way for heathens to show, hey, not only am I pagan, I'm heathen. You know, this is, this is my tie. This is the way that I go. And so from a cultural standpoint of things, now this is multi-leveled, uh, from a cultural standpoint, that's kind of the inner social uh, reasoning behind wearing a symbol of any kind is that projection of self, that identifier. And it allows for, I know I've done it before, I've gone through and seen people wearing hammers and then have reached out to them and been like, hey, are you heathen? If so, let's talk. And it's been a great conversation starter. I've known a number of people that have approached me because of my hammer and asked me questions. And I've actually gotten people come out to East Texas Heathens and things like that as a result of having seen me just out in public wearing a hammer. Um, once from somebody actually recognizing me from the YouTube channel. <laughs> it happens. But um, so it is kind of a, it's kind of a heathen's freak flag, as it were, you know. Uh, it lets people see who you are. It's an identifier. It is a label that is worn out on the shirt that says, Hello, my name is Heathen. And uh, <laughs> I want a t-shirt that says that now. <laughs> anyway, um, <clears throat> the idea is that it just kind of projects that sense of self. But there's more to it. A lot of people go through, because a lot of people go through a ritual 
in the morning when they put their hammer on because they see the hammer as their connection to their deities. They see the hammer as a connection to their faith. And it is, and it's not exactly an accurate description of it. Okay, It is your connection. I'm not going to tell anybody that it's not your connection to your whatever. Um, but it's not like it's a spell focus. You know, It's not like to get all D&D on stuff. It's not like you have to have this for your holy symbol so that you can actually contact the gods. You can contact the gods whether you're wearing a pendant, a hammer, a necklace, a ring, whatever. Uh, earrings, doesn't matter. You've got... The, what it becomes is it becomes a mental grounding. It is a spot when you put the hammer on, you are thinking about your heathenry. You're thinking about projecting your heathenry and how you approach the world. You are thinking about the gods. It is a reminder of the gods. It is a reminder of your tribe, your people, whatever you associate with it. Because a, a pendant is a symbol, and that is the essence of everything there. It is a symbol. What the symbol means is entirely dependent upon one, who is perceiving the symbol, and two, the associations that are tied to said symbol. So, what one person sees when they see your hammer out in public may not be, you know, they may not get the same meaning from it. Uh, as we all know, in the modern day, we deal a lot with uh, racially charged issues and white supremacy and whatnot. A lot of groups tend to look at the hammer as a red flag because of some of the negativity that has been poured into the symbol by uh, ne'er-do-wells <laughs> that have co-opted the symbol and used it for their own nefarious purposes. This is true of a number of symbols within Norse heathenry, Germanic heathenry, uh, Anglo-Saxon heathenry, because largely uh, during the neo-Nazi, well, neo-Nazis and the Nazi era of World War II, uh, Nazis adopted, co-opted, um, adopted certain symbols. I'm, I'm hanging up because it's not exactly accurate to say Nazis per se, uh, but there were factions within the that, that powerhouse that adopted these symbols and utilized them for uh, their 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 imagery and for their purposes and for their means and that carries with it a globalizing effect to the entire Nazi party and therefore people will see these things and associate them with white supremacy neo Nazism because neo Nazis also co opted those symbols um, for what they perceive to be the same purposes, though probably not. Anybody who's done any like serious research on World War II will realize that there was some heavy occult stuff going on under the surface, and it was not necessarily just the Nazi party as a whole that took on these things. There were, you know, when you're dealing with the Thule Society and a lot of stuff that was going on there. Um, there's a lot of crossover, but it's not, one is not the other, but one is part of the other. It's complicated. But very interesting. So if you are interested, I highly recommend reading about it just because you got to learn from history. But in modern days, there are some people that will still associate the hammer or any other Nordic symbols, Germanic symbols, with that kind of wheelhouse. And it's unfortunate, but it's something that we fight against. And we fight against it by you know pouring our good deeds behind the symbols and educating people on what it means. Shows like Vikings and things like that have... While there's a lot of negativity about shows like Vikings because of their historical inaccuracy, there is an influx of interest into heathenry and Norse paganism uh, that is a result of pop media presence like that. 
and the result of that is a dilution of some of the negative energy that has been poured into it from negative sources from before. So while it's not necessarily great because they're coming in with uh, bad information and kind of brosatru approaches to things, uh, it, is, it does have a diluting effect, so it's not necessarily all bad. Uh, it does wash away some of the stigma that has come from some of the more negative elements, and these people, a certain percentage of them, are actually interested in learning about heathenry as it really is, uh, while a larger number of them are just, you know, look at me, I'm a Viking, brosatrus. So it varies. Um, but I have met some, some really cool people that are very into real heathenry, uh, and they didn't even think to explore it until they saw shows like Vikings and some of the other ones out there uh, that depict these things. Beowulf was one at one point in time that was kind of that way, the Robert Zemeckis version of Beowulf when it came out. There was kind of an uptick in some popularity there uh, due to Odin and the others being mentioned in the film by uh, Beowulf and his crew, and so especially Vigloff. So it's neat to see kind of the impact of pop media on the influxes of interest into heathenry, both for the positive and the negative. Uh, but when it comes to symbols like the hammer, it actually kind of has a, a washing effect that help to dilute some of that negativity. So pull that diatribe back forward. And the symbol itself that we wear is a projection of our sense of self. It is a grounding point. It is a point when we put the hammer on in the morning, when we put on whatever our symbol may be, it's a chance for us to go through and say, hey, I am heathen and this is me putting my heathenry out there. Those that have been, this is where we're going to some of the more advanced stuff, when those that have been wearing their hammer for a while, those that are deep into heathenry, that understand frith, that understand reciprocal obligation and things like that, those that understand what oath rings are about, those that understand that reciprocal responsibility that is inherent in social interaction and our interaction with the gods, begin to look at the hammer a little bit differently. The hammer is not just a symbol of, hey, I'm heathen. The hammer is not just a reminder to myself to think about being, you know, putting forth a good face uh, as a heathen. It begins to become a symbol that means you have obligations that you need to think about. And this is kind of your figurative oath ring. This is your reminder of your end of the obligations that go along with running a tribe, being part of a tribe, um, putting forth a good face so that your hearth, your tribe, your kin, are well represented in the world through your deeds and actions. You know, your deeds, your actions make the hammer shine. Your deeds or your actions can tarnish it. It doesn't necessarily... It is your responsibility to bring as much shine to whatever your symbol has to be. I was going to say that it doesn't necessarily have to be a hammer, but I've said that numerous times before. And we're going to come to that here in a second. It is your responsibility to bring shine to your symbol, to whatever it is that you wear. If you wear one, it's not obligatory that you have to wear one. I wear a number of things throughout the day. Like I've got my vague visier signet ring that I carry around. And like, I just like it. It's cool. I enjoy it. Um, I have my kind of Nordic band. Uh, that is my, this one is an oath ring with my significant other. I've got my Aegis Yalmer earring that I wear a lot. 
Um, I just enjoy these things, you know. These these are trappings. These are fun. This is a trapping after a fashion. Um, the one that really is my my obligation stone is the one that I wear close to heart. And this is the one that reminds me on a daily basis my obligations to my tribe, my obligations to my family, my obligations as a heathen uh, to my gods, to my ancestors. And that's what I see when I wear it. That's what I think of when I put it on. I don't necessarily think of just, hey, I need to be a good heathen today. I think of, hey, I have obligations I need to fulfill. How am I doing that? How am I going to add to the luck of my tribe today? How am I going to go forth and bring good weird into the well so that it can mix in and the luck of my tribe, my family, uh, my hearth, all of this can be strengthened and be positive. And so that symbol carries a great deal of weight for me. Um, some of the other symbols that I wear are just fun trappings that I enjoy. These are things that are just affectations. Uh, this one carries a bit of weight to it because it is the one that's out there. This is the hey, flashy, go the bling that I like to wear uh, that does call attention to it. And with that comes some obligation because this is the one people see. And that is my flag of, hey, you've got an obligation here. When people see you with this, what are you going to do? Because you're not just acting for yourself. You're acting for your tribe. You're acting for your hearth, your clan. What are you doing in this interaction? And is what you're going to do going to damage the reputation, the gefrain of your hearth or clan or tribe? How is what you're doing portraying the heathens in general, you know? As, as what are people going to think about heathens when they see somebody who wears a hammer and sees the way that you work, the way that you act, the way that you interact, the, the jokes that you tell? So it's my reminder to be present in the moment, the obligations that I bear uh, with my at least tied full. Now, I don't have obligations to the greater heathen community um, because ultimately speaking, I don't have frith ties with anyone outside of my frith web. So that's the part that I'm focused on. But there are, you know, people do look at us and make generalizations based on the hammer, but they're going to do that anyway. Uh, I don't overly focus on the element of what do people think of greater heathenry when they see it. But I do think about, you know, my tribe, my people, and my, my frith web. What am I doing to protect them? What am I doing to further their efforts? Am I putting on a good show uh, for the outside world so that I build gefrain for them? Or am I bringing bad things, toxicity, into the well? And you don't want to be that toxic person that brings toxicity into the well. We talk a lot on the channel about um, judgment and guarding your well from outside toxicity, but you have to guard it from inside toxicity as well. And this can kind of be your reminder to keep an eye on that. Keep an eye on the pH balance of your well, you know. Um, be mindful of the actions and deeds that you engage in on a daily basis. Because it's not just the big things. It's not just the things that we do at heathen gatherings. It's not just the things that we do at festivals, uh, during ritual, things like that. It's what we do on a daily basis. How hard do you work? Uh, are you someone that people can come to and look at and say, oh yeah, that's a good person. They're reliable. There's somebody I can look to when I need help. Uh, that kind of thing. So what are you putting out there? 
And that is, that is what this is. It's a reminder of the obligations that go along with it. And with that, it carries a great deal of energy too, because the hammer itself becomes imbued with your energies when you wear it every day. You radiate your heat into it. You radiate your energy into it. And it very much becomes tied to you if it's something that you wear on a daily basis and it's something that you put that kind of focus into. If you put the meaningful intention into it, then it carries that and it kind of helps to bolster you in those moments. That's when it becomes something like a magical talisman. Uh, those moments where things may be hard and you can reach up and clutch your hammer and begin to think about the things that matter to you. Uh, it's like that little jolt of strength. It's a psychological strengthening that can come along with it. And when you grab it and you speak to the gods, if you do that, uh, this is your recognition of your obligation, your recognition of that relationship. And it carries a lot of weight. It adds some power to it. And so that's, that's kind of a thing. You'll notice a number of cultures across the world utilize talismans or things similar to talismans in their rituals. Um, you know, you've got rosary beads, you've got Buddhist prayer beads, uh, various and you know, sundry different pagan symbols that people will wear. And some are used specifically for ritual. If you have a hammer that's set aside that you wear for ritual or a symbol of any kind that you wear for ritual, then that becomes a ritual item and that is dedicated to that purpose. But the ones that you wear for daily, base, daily basis are, uh, th these are profane items uh, for the profane world, but it is intrinsically tied to you. So it's an extremely personal item, which makes it very, very powerful. Now, onto the subject of, I keep saying it doesn't have to be hammered. There are a lot of things that you can utilize as a symbol if you choose to use the symbolism of a pendant or other kind of jewelry piece as this kind of obligation focus or as your, your anchor is what, a lot of what I like to refer to it as and because it, it anchors you in the moment. Thor's hammers are the most common symbol that I see used for any kind of jewelry, pendant, whatever, for uh, heathens. There's been an uptick thanks to things like Vikings and other pop media representation in heathenry of Nordic and Viking-related uh, symbolism within modern jewelry. So there's some more options than there were before with regards to necklaces and rings and things like that. There's a number of things that are worn that are not technically heathen because they actually postate heathenry by quite a bit. Vigvisur is one of those. It's actually a medieval symbol uh, found in tomes in Iceland. Um, it's the, the sources that it comes from actually have a lot of ties to kind of high magic and whatnot. Uh, pretty much everything in, the, uh, in that uh, Icelandic rune book, uh, the spell book, is uh, tied to high magic more so than it is to heathenry. But it is culturally relative, so what an individual takes from it, heathenry doesn't stop growing, and symbols are symbols and tools are tools, so if you choose to in incorporate those things, uh, <coughs> obviously I wear a vague visir and I don't have a problem with it. Same thing with my Aegisjelmer. Um, simply put, it, you, you put into the symbols what you put into them. But there are people that will wear things like uh, Gunyir, Spear's Head, uh, for Olden. People will wear uh, eyes in their jewelry. Like, um, you'll see a lot of, uh, like, the, the, the Romani uh, 
the, the, the curse eye, the, the ah, I'm blanking on the term, but you guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, that, that evil eye that you will see out there uh, that is used to ward off certain things. Watchful eye. Uh, there are people that have utilized eyes like that to be dedicated to Odin. I have used ravens. I've used wolves in imagery on my, my jewelry. The idea is, you know, what are you going for when it comes to the jewelry? Are you looking for something that is obvious to other people that you are a heathen when you wear it? Or are you looking for something that is more uh, personal and deep? Because if I walk around with a raven earring, people may or may not associate that with me and my dedication to Olden. I don't really care whether they get it or not because it's for me. And that is, you know, my reminder at that moment to be thinking of my obligations to Olden and my interactions there. Um, amber is something that I have seen a lot of people use for like necklaces and whatnot, especially ladies, uh, for dedication to Freya, uh, because there is some association between uh, amber droplets and th that come from the trees, the tree sap and everything, and the tears of gold that Freya would cry as she searched for old. So I see those things. I see people that do work with Loki uh, have a tendency to use things like serpents or fire imagery therein. I don't work with Loki, so I don't have a lot of correlations there for you, but uh, there are these are symbols that I have seen them use before, uh, as well as wolves and things like that. Uh, serpents obviously tying to the serpent beneath the tree, uh, the serpent, uh, Midgard serpent, and the serpent beneath the mountain where he is bound and is dripping in his face. And uh, so there's a lot of serpent imagery that's associated there with. I have seen people use doorways and bridges for Hemdal. Uh, because he is the warden, the guardian of the entryway. I have seen people that will wear a glove, you know, just a, a gauntlet on a chain as a symbol for tear, swords for tear. I have seen people that use deer-related, like antlers and things for Freud, uh, largely because of the story wherein Freud gives away his sword and ends up having to fight Surt and Ragnarok with just his antler. And uh, so there's, the imagery is tied to the mythology heavily. And what you want to pull from that and your associations there is entirely up to you. Whether or not you want it to be openly recognizable as a heathen thing, again, that's up to you too. It doesn't have to be. If you want to wear an earring that's got a raven feather hanging from it and that is your reminder and dedication to Olden, that's fine. That is perfectly fine. Nobody can judge on that because it's for you and it is your thing. That is your heathenry. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. But it's not something that is set out in like heathenry as a whole. There's no dictates, no strictures, no uh, documentation that shows you have to wear these things. You have to include these things. I mean, the closest thing that you're going to get to is the oath ring that was worn by the Gothi at, you know, ritual. And that was even then not even a jewelry thing. That was specifically for ritual purposes, as far as we can tell. And so, make your symbols matter to you. you know, choose those things that carry weight to you. Choose those things that, that really remind you and really ground you in that sense of deeper meaning. Not just the surface, hey, I'm heathen, I wear a hammer. Uh, because I'm heathen, I should wear a hammer kind of thing. You can be heathen and not wear any jewelry whatsoever. doesn't matter. Uh, it is not a prerequisite anywhere in anything that you have to wear something that broadcasts to the world you are heathen. 
um, because your heathenry is about you and your Inangarth. It is not about the outside world. Um, jewelry should be the same thing if you're going to use it for talisman-type purposes. It should be for you. It should mean something to you. So choose wisely, you know. Um, there are reasons that I wear Thor's hammers, Mjolnir, uh, some very specific reasons. There are reasons that I have, uh, like my tattoos, uh, which I know I haven't shown my tattoos on the channel before, and I can't really show it well on here, but I have an ancestral skull and the spear, which is dedicated to Olden, uh, my tribal bind rune, and then you can't really tell, but I do have a raven up here on my shoulder, just kind of peeking out there. And those symbols are deeply meaningful to me, and they are tattooed to my skin for a specific reason. Um, I do consider myself to be an Oldensman, so the symbolism of the raven, the ancestral skull, the spear, and the talisman of my tribe are all deep reminders burned into my skin of obligations that I hold, that I need to continue upholding, and it gives me a sense of purpose in some of the things that I do. So anyway, this has been a long ramble on a subject that's wide-ranging and has a myriad of ways to look at it, and we've only barely scratched the surface really on the power of talismans and what they can do, what you can get from them. And I'm not really looking at the like magic of talismans themselves, because that's an entire like branch of magic that you can work with. I'm looking specifically on hammers and related like our, our heathen jewelry and the symbols that we choose to wear it and why. So hopefully that was interesting enough to spurn some, spark some conversations and to set some people in a direction on hopefully thinking more about what they do and branching out some in the jewelry that they wear or in the ways that they choose to incorporate imagery and myth mythology into their expression of themselves and their ties and reminders of their obligations to take something that could just be simple jewelry and give it a deeper meaning and to really tie it in. So anyway, thank you all for putting up with that ramble because it was indeed a ramble as I bounced between a thousand different ideas. I really appreciate it. At the time of this viewing, uh, at the time of this filming, we have 9,971 views on the Heathenry 101 video, so rapidly approaching 10K. Really cool. Thank you, guys. Um, thank you for everything. You guys are amazing. I love your support. You can check out my book details down below, The Saga of Bjorn Thorolfsson. That's all in the section down there in the description. So even if you're in the podcast, it should be in the podcast description. There should be an Amazon link for it. I have it both in ebook and in physical, so check it out. If you have any questions, you know where to reach me. Please do write in with requests. I love to work episodes off of requests, uh, partially because it's easier for me than trying to come up with an idea myself, and uh, partially because I really feel like I'm, I'm hitting the mark for you guys when I'm able to answer questions that specifically tie to areas of your interest. So let me know what you guys think. Thank you all. Hail, and may your hearth fires burn bright. All right, let's give this a shot. Hopefully. <laughs> I think everything's hooked up right here, and hopefully this is still doing its thing. Ah, cool. All right, guys. Oh, fun and games. So I guess the 
after credits, <laughs> cutting room floor stuff. Um, life is still rocking along. Uh, things are shaping up pretty quickly. I'm going to be starting a night job here soon. That's going to allow me to still be able to be out here at the shop and work at the shop some. So I'll be uh, kind of pulling double duty for a little while. Uh, it's going to make me really tired, but hey, <laughs> it is what it is. You got to do what you got to do, you know? It's a thing. Uh, <laughs> it has become a bigger thing than I thought it was going to be. Anyway, uh, the whole it's a thing thing. Anyway. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, D&D is still rocking along. I've got a lot of stuff that I've been working on as far as background stuff. By the time we get into another session, I'm going to have so much content built up that it's going to be like, I'm going to be the one disappointed because we're not getting to any of the new content that I'm building because we're still working on the content that I've already established. It's crazy. Anyway, so fun and games there, but I will have some more fun D&D stuff coming up here in the future, hopefully. Um, still playing around with Incarnate as far as a map making tool. It's really cool. If you haven't checked it out, I highly recommend Incarnate. It is awesome. Uh, $25 for your subscription and I really enjoy it. I have, I tried building some with the free one and uh, you can do some stuff in there. You can do You can make functional battle maps. You can absolutely make functional battle maps with the free account um, and be able to throw stuff up and just have fun. You can make some really cool battle maps with some of the uh, added features that they get with the $25 one. I've made some very intricate, uh, very specific battle maps with it, and I really enjoy it. So we'll see where that goes here in the future. I'm playing around with some uh, homebrew monsters and things for the crew. Hopefully they'll enjoy that when they get there. And lots of backstory. Lots and lots of backstory. Of course, you guys know me. I'm a storyteller. It's what I do. I enjoy the hell out of it. So that's probably my favorite part of the whole thing. But I have discovered kind of an artistic outlet with this whole battle map making thing. So I'm enjoying it quite a bit. Uh, you get to set your grid sizes and all kinds of stuff. Layers. I mean, it's just, it's really cool. Um, I may throw some up on the group. The Word Weaver Productions community group, if uh, people are interested, you know, be like, hey, here's a map I made, check it out. This is what you can do. But I don't want to feel like this is an ad for an ad for Incarnate. It's just cool D&D stuff that I really enjoy. Uh, you know, it's one of those that if I really honestly felt like I could make a living being a DM, I would do it because uh, I enjoy it that much. I, I just love telling stories and running games and stuff like that. So I could have a lot of fun with that. I know there's some people that do do it. Uh, professionally, but I think it's a side gig. Uh, I seriously doubt they're pulling, you know, main money off of DMing games. But uh, I don't know. Some of those people, I was looking at some of the online stuff where they're pulling, you know, 20, 30 bucks a session per player. And if you've got a decent sized group, um, you spend, make 100 bucks in a day sitting. Hey, <laughs> it's a thing. Anyway, <laughs> said it again. Uh, I swear if anybody ever plays that drinking game, they're going to die. Huh, it's ridiculous. But anyway, life is rocking along, so we're working hard on still trying to keep the shop going, and I'm loving every minute of it. We were working on our fork truck earlier, trying to get it running. Looks like we're going to need a new ignition switch for it. Fun, but, you know, we do what we do. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's pretty much the update at the moment. Hopefully I'll have some more stuff coming up. Um, most of my time here lately has been spent on either D&D stuff or getting ready for this new job, uh, which I should start on Thursday, which will be tomorrow for you guys if you're watching this when it drops on Wednesday. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, so anyway, <laughs> that is that. I guess we'll go ahead and jump into today's video. So 
see in the session. Wait, no. You guys are exiting out. Wibbly wobbly timey wimey. Eh. Here we go. <laughs> We're live in three, two, one. Let's jam.